Peter. Zarek. Amen, amen. At this point, the kids are dismissed to uh, their classes. God is good, right? Hopefully, we're saying that at the end of this service as well. So, uh, I know you guys just got comfortable and you just sat down. If you can, please stand up with me for the reading of the word. We're going to be reading from... Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And whenever you're there, you can say amen or just praise the Lord. All right, man. All right, we got a so. Oh, you can say so too, that works. <laughs> All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You may be seated. Um, I'm, let me just kick this off with, I went into preparing for this preaching, thinking goodness was going to be on the easy side of things, right? <laughs> Man, was I wrong? The, the whole couple of weeks I was preparing for this, like every time I sat down to prepare, I was like, man, I'm just not good. I'm just not good at, I'm not, I felt like I'm not good at life. I'm not good at work. I'm not good at home. Like, what am I good for? Like, it was, it was such a, like, a, a not, I want to I wanna say humbling because I wasn't necessarily humbling myself. I was just beating myself up. Um, so it was a, a bit of an eye-opening uh, to me. And then you, we hear Bishop last week talking about kindness. And most people, when you think about kindness, everything's sort of like, like a happy-go-lucky type of feel. And then Bishop goes, preaches, and you're like, man, ain't nobody kind in this world. <laughs> You really have to rely on Jesus. 
Um, so I wanted to open up with this. In a world filled with hate and disrespect, we have become more solitary with our daily living. Couple this with the recent events, and we begin to lose sight of what a community is. Yet God, how, God somehow remains good. And we typically have the word good paired with nouns to describe their state. This tastes good. They're good people. I had a good time. They're just a few examples. And all these examples, the one describing had to have experienced the good provided. Without this experience, it is impossible to call something or someone good. But is good simply just an experience? In Galatians 5.22, we see the word goodness. And when you have ness applied to an adjective, it converts it into a noun, meaning that Paul is discussing the state, condition, or quality of being good. The fruits of the Spirit are not adjectives used to describe the Christian life or how they should act, but indeed they are nouns that declare the standards of who they are, or better said, who they should strive to be. So what does it mean when we say God is good? What does it mean for us to be good? What does it look like to walk in goodness? Man, there's been so many times where I have questioned, why is God so good? I mean, look at where we're at right now. Look at this, we've been through a pandemic, with all, all these recent events, there's so much dissension in between people. No one trusts anybody. And even if you're on their side, if you're not coming from the right place or the right background, then why should I trust you? Because you're not coming from where I'm coming from. Right? I came from a different place. So you can't talk. You can't step into my shoes. Tell me, how is any of this good? And then we talk about good people. And whenever I hear people talk about good people, they're talking about their closest friends. That's a good person. This person has my back. They ain't never do me wrong. And I know most of us had at some point our first crush, right? Anyone ever have that first crush? You're super excited about this other person, like, man, that's the one. I haven't even talked to them yet, but that's the one. I know it. I feel it. That's the one right there. Then you get to know them, and then you're not their one. And then you're just like, no, she, she ain't good. I don't know. I don't know. Who, whoever, whoever told me that. No, no. But good is so relative for each of us. I mean, what you think is good is not good. My wife doesn't like pickles. I love pickles. I think pickles are great. But everything comes down to your experience, where you came from, your background. That all helps you describe what is good. Politicians will tell you what is good. I don't, it doesn't matter what side of, you know, the color you're on, or if you're purple. They're always going to tell you what's good because they know what's best for our nation. 
They know what's best for you. They know what's best for your wallet, for your taxes. Right? They know what's best for the community that they don't live in. Because they know what's good. But why is good so general? I mean, even in the, when we're looking at the Bible, I mean, when, when we're talking about the creation in Genesis, God made something. He said it's good. And I was like, oh, man, God said it's good. That means there has to be some really deep meaning in there, right? So I'm going into the Hebrew, and then when I look up the word tov, a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of people have heard the, you know, say mazel tov and all that stuff. It's actually tov. I found that out. Didn't know that. I called a friend who speaks Hebrew, and I was like, yeah, look at this word tov. He goes, no, bro, it's tov. <laughs> tov. And I, I asked him because, like, I can't find a good definition for it. He goes, there is no good definition. It's just good. I'm like, that's it? He goes, yeah, it's good. It, it, it's a general description. Good. I'm like, man, so even God is being general with good. And then we, we see it in the Bible a couple of times. God is good. And I'm, I'm over here thinking about this general definition. So I'm like, wait, is God basic? What is this? It can't be. The almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, amazing God is just generally good. But our problem is we simplify things on a completely different level. When God said something was good, oh, it was good. And every sense of its being, it was good. There's nothing else. You don't got to get fancy with it. He created this world, and just look at it. It's so good. Now we come in and mess it up. So, as I'm going through this, I got this big idea that I want you guys to sort of keep in the back of your minds as we're going through all of these points today. Um, so my big takeaway for you guys is this. Goodness is an act that... Oh, man. I got the wrong set of notes here. So it's behind me. This is the right one. Yes, this one's right. I have an older version. I'm going to read it from here. Goodness is not a state that only comes around when life is on the up. It exists no matter the circumstances and is the reflection of the sacrifice paid on the cross. And this is where goodness becomes not so good. Like, it just does not feel good anymore when you realize it has nothing to do with your circumstances. Because in the Bible, we see this. Using Jesus as an example, he repeatedly and willingly accepted interruptions for the sake of for the sake of others, healing people on his way to heal others, leaving his intimate time with his disciples and his quiet time with the Father to teach and heal. This brings me to my first point. Goodness has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with us. If we look at John uh, chapter 12, 23 through 33. Um, you don't have to go there. I'm going to go ahead and read it from my amazing notes that are old. 
But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And this is Jesus speaking here. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify me. Glorify your name. Jesus right now, in verse 27 and 28, he knows what's coming. He knows he's about to be put on that cross. Undeservedly put on that cross. It's almost like you know someone who is about to get tried for something they did. And make it as serious as you want. They're going to court. They did the most disgusting, sinful act you can think of. But because that person is so close to you, you decided to confess for them. And you're going to take their punishment. A life sentence. And you didn't do anything. Jesus knows this is coming. And he's saying, I'm, just, I'm literally out of love. My soul is troubled. Jesus' soul is troubled about this. He continues. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Then he said this, signifying by what death he would die. Goodness has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with us. When you look at the example of goodness in Jesus, he never did anything necessarily for the goodness of him, but for our benefit so that we can experience grace. I mean, how many times has my mom told me, oh my goodness, son, I thought I raised you better. I don't know how my mom dealt with me. I really don't. No, I have no clue. God bless you, mom. My parents poured into my life. They prayed for me, man. My dad has told me stories of my mom being up at three in the morning while I'm out and about doing whatever it is that I wanted to do. And she's there praying on her knees. And I'm out there being a punk. I didn't recognize what was going on. My mom didn't do that for her. She didn't do that so she can say, this is the best son that has ever been raised. She did that out of sheer love. It was not for her at all. Completely selfless. So when we say, yeah, that's a good person. Are they good just because they did that one good thing? Are they good because you have some sort of 
idea of them that's up here that makes them good? Or are they good because in every act that they do, it's completely selfless? When you look at God, when you look at Jesus, when you look at everything they've done, that he has done, it was never, ever selfish. No matter what you hear out there, it was never selfish. It's completely selfless. My next point, and I know I'm, I'm going to be sort of rushing through these first two points because my third point, I'm going to be there for a while. Unless you guys want me to take my time, I'll, I'll take my time throughout all of these. I don't mind. My second point, goodness doesn't sit or stand, it walks. Christ showed us that God's idea of good is not a calculation of effort equals result but one in which obedience profited us eternally and undeservedly, a.k.a. grace. Look at what's going on in our world. I mean, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. It is, I, I, I sit down at lunch, at work, and that's all I hear about. George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, good cops, bad cops. What is a good cop? What's a good coworker? What's a good driver? Please, I need to know because I haven't seen one in a while. <laughs> right now, I only know of one good driver, and he's on the stage. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I could be a bit crazy on the road sometimes. But for real, like, this, this, this world wants to talk about good. We need to make good policies. We need to start instructing our kids good correctness, good manners, so that they grow up to love one another. But what good are we teaching them? Right, you want to talk about good. How many times have we driven by someone on the side of the road with a broken down car and just kept going? Now those situations can be different. I mean, if it's three o'clock in the morning and you, know, you don't know anything about fixing cars, just pray. But in my case, in my case, I, I always have a set of tools in the back of my car that can lift your car up, put it on jacks, and I can pretty much just if I have to, take a good portion of your engine out. And there's been times where I'm just rushing somewhere. And I see someone on the side of the road, and I'm like, yo, I, I should stop. I got the tools, and I look at my watch, and I'm like, nah. I work 12 hours a day. I'm going to go home. Because when I was on the side of the road, ain't no one show up for me. Nobody showed up for me. Man, and I think that all the time. I did the floor. I helped my brother do the floors in his house. I helped his father-in-law do the floors in his house. And then I went to go do the floors in my house. And no one showed up. <laughs> Nobody showed up. Yeah. <laughs> no one did. I mean, I was so upset. 
A thousand square feet of floor laid by one man. My back hurt the next day. But that's what happens. We sit with our goodness. Right? No one helped you. So why do you have to go be good to somebody else? And maybe the people that helped you, you'll go be good to them. Everything becomes so conditional. Right? Someone says something in the media that is insulting. I could just name millions of examples. You guys probably had like a thousand running through your head right now. Man, how could you say that? That was dumb. You're not a good person. Yet remember, sometimes those politicians up there, they're the one making policies. And you know how many times I've been conflicted when someone's like, we need to pray for our government? I'm like, no, the government don't pray for me. <laughs> no, the government does not pray for me. You want me to pray for them? No. I'm going to pray that God wiped them all out. <laughs> we need to put some bishops up in there. But goodness doesn't sit or stand. We don't sit with our goodness. We walk with it. And when you're walking, you have no idea what's coming on the road. When you're driving to work, yeah, it's the same path you take every time. But you don't know who's going to be next to you. It's not going to be the same green Toyota Corolla at the same light on Alafea every single time. It's going to be a different car. No matter how many times you take the same path, there's always, always going to be something different when you take that walk. It's the same thing with your goodness. You can't choose who to be good to. You just have to be good. But how do you be good? What does good look like? We went over kindness last week. Demonstrations of kindness. It's not simply just acts. It's not maybe my, you know, a friend of mine helping me to lay my floor. That's, that's a kind act. But that doesn't simply demonstrate what kindness is. Same thing with goodness. If we look at a very, very famous parable in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from 25 through 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. 
And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took, two, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed, showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I was going over this with the youth a little bit on Wednesday. But whether you realize it or not, Jesus pulls this parable and it, it is almost for the culture a slap in the face. We call, we always say it, it's a phrase, yeah, just be the good Samaritan. Do you know who the Samaritan was? He's the other side of the race coin. He wasn't liked. Doesn't matter if he was good or not. The Samaritan wasn't Jewish. And if you're sitting on that side, you don't like Samaritans. Because they're not the chosen ones. Why? Think about it, right? Let's, let's t t sort of take a step back from the Bible and all that stuff. But think about it. When you're just looking at those two cultures, this culture doesn't like this culture because they think that this culture wasn't chosen. Doesn't matter how good these people are. They're bad. Doesn't matter how much good they do, they're bad. And we have that. I had a friend of mine who did me, did me dirty. I, he had gotten into an accident. And I told him, listen, I know you got to get to work. Your work is an hour away. And I was saving up for a wedding ring. All I had was three grand. And I told him, listen, I, man, I know you need to get somewhere. I know you have to work. I took that three grand and I bought him a car. I, po I postponed purchasing that wedding ring because I wanted to help a man out. He said, don't worry about it, man. I'll pay you back. I never saw a dollar. The next time he needed help, I didn't help him out. I said, no, sorry, man. I don't need any money. I just, listen, the, the car you bought me, it's overheating. I told you to check that gasket. I know, I know, but I didn't have any money and the mechanic quoted me too high. I told you there's a YouTube video. I said you could use my tools. It's a lot of work, but you can figure it out. I didn't help him. Man, I talk so much dirt about this guy. And I didn't lend anybody money ever again for a while because people needed my help and I was not about to take out of my pocket because last time I did that, I didn't get anything in return. Next thing I know, in my PayPal account, there's three grand. This is years later. I had totally forgotten about this. 
And I'm all excited. I was like, I don't know where this three grand came from. It came from some anonymous account. And I was like, I was so happy. Next thing you know, a year later after that, he tells me, I'm so sorry. He gives me a call. He's like, listen, I want to apologize for everything that I did. I said, I don't care. You did me dirty once. Words don't mean a thing to me anymore. For that person, right? But for the next person who apologized to me for, you know, doing something messed up, I was like, okay, man, don't worry about it. You're forgiven. That's what Christians do. They forgive. But for this one dude who took three grand who apologized to me, I said, no. You can take your apology and you can keep it because I don't like you. And that, that has nothing to do with what's, you know, the deep, imbued disgust for the other race that's happening in this parable. That's just a simple example of one person who did me dirty. i just fast forward that story real quick so I don't sound like a bad guy. I eventually realized what was going on. <laughs> and we're friends now again. Because <laughs> I was going to leave it there. Then I realized I couldn't do that because then I, I won't be looking good. But these Jewish people sometimes don't even realize why they don't like these Samaritans. And Jesus gets this Samaritan in the parable and makes him look like the good one. He just totally flipped their entire culture and just did 180 degrees and said, that's right. The ones you think are disgusting, the ones you think are unchosen, the ones you think are unruly, the ones God said that you think God said are not worthy of me, they're the ones doing good because your definition of good is based on your pride. Based on where you come from. Based on your culture. But this Samaritan walked. Not only that, he gave two denarii. That's two days worth of pay. Back then, you got paid by the day, which means he worked two days, he got paid for those two days, and then he took those two days of pay. He's going on a journey now. Anyone that ever went on vacation, you always save up a little bit or you just rack it up on the credit card because you know you're about to spend a lot of money on this trip. This guy's going on a trip, which means he's spending money and he gave up two days worth of pay. We don't know how long his journey is. Doesn't matter if it was short. Doesn't matter if it was long. He gave up two days. And then he said, when I come back, you let me know. Whatever it is that you need, I'll pay it for him. The one person that you think would not be the good one was the good one. Because it's not about where you came from. You being good is not about how you grew up. It's not about how you were raised. You being good is because you want to be the spitting image of Christ. Which is completely selfless. You want to experience goodness? You want to be in that state? Let yourself go. Let your thoughts go. Let your culture drop. Culture is beautiful. It's what allows us sometimes to communicate on a level deeper than just simply meeting somebody. But if it's hindering you from being good, if it's keeping us from being good, then you need to let it go. 
I hear this question all the time, and I brought it up just a little bit earlier. Oh, but there are good cops out there. There's bad ones too. Should a protest be violent? Or should it be peaceful? Because last thing I remember, the only reason why we have equality is because there was some violence back in the day. So basically, if I, if I want to make a point, I got to be violent? Even if there are good cops? Because, you know, goodness walks. And it doesn't always feel good. So maybe a little violence will remind you what good is. Let me tell you something, church. Sometimes in those situations when you're asking those questions, it can be extremely confusing, depending on how it's brought up. But you want to know if there's goodness in there? You seek the Lord. If something is being done out of love, out of completely just utter selflessness, you'll know it's good. But if you're so focused on what you think is right, on what you think is good, on what you think is goodness, and what goodness looks like, when someone brings up those questions, you won't know how to answer. I was telling the youth about this. The reason why all this way back in the day, when we're talking about getting rid of segregation and all this stuff, it wasn't necessarily the violence that did it something much, much more strategic. They stopped working. We had an entire economy based on cheap labor. We ran on that. It wasn't the violence. It was when they said, okay, I'm going to step back. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to enjoy my family because I'm tired of working 14 hours a day. You have a whole group of people doing that. The elite, they're going to wake up. That's the history. But because sometimes we're so focused on our anger, violence is the thing we want to turn to. Goodness walks. Right? You see hurt like that? You see people hurting like that? Be good to them. And sometimes they're going to say something messed up back. You're trying to be kind. You're trying to be good. They, not, they might not even take it. And you can go ahead and get offended by that if you want. But that's not the demonstration of goodness. Christ died on that cross for us. And I'll tell you what, I spat in his face for years before I decided to wake up. Christ didn't die on that cross because we're all nice people. Because we're not. We don't deserve what he did for us. For us. It just, that's just plain and simple. He died on that cross because he loved us. We don't deserve it. And sometimes we think that. That person doesn't deserve my goodness. It's not for you to decide. Because maybe you're right. Maybe they don't deserve your goodness. Your graces. Lo and behold, I didn't deserve my mother's graces. And sometimes I felt them right here. 
No, but sometimes they don't. But in reality, they do. You know why? Because you didn't deserve your grace. So why not share that? People say it all the time, man, if everyone just loved each other, if everyone just loved God. But how many of you are willing to get into the thick and the dirty and be good there? It's easy to be good at home with your family. It's easy to be good with your friends. Why? Because they're good to you, so you can be good to them. But people that aren't good to you, people that have backgrounds and cultures and just thick histories that make them who they are, that make them have those attitudes. You want to be good to them? No, it's too hard. Give it a shot. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference, not just in their lives, but in yours. My third point, goodness doesn't always feel good. My wife is a, a doctor of physical therapy, and uh, she has patients on, coming from completely different places, but every single time I'm asking her, like, oh, how was your day? I know, I know pretty, a decent amount of her patients, the ones that she likes to talk about. Also, by the way, if she talks about you, I mean she likes you as a patient. <laughs> if she doesn't, she still likes you. <laughs> but I've had... She's told me, like, yeah, this person was coming in with this type of pain, and I was trying to help them, and they wouldn't let me touch them. I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, they, they came in because they have shoulder pain, knee pain, but they're in so much pain that they don't want to move. They don't want to exercise it out. They want, don't want me to massage it out. They don't want me to do anything with that pain. And she's like, well, then why did you come to physical therapy? You have a 10 out of 10 ping? You're here in my office? You want me to help? You don't want me to help you though? Because it's scary to feel pain, man. It hurts. Then you got the other people who come in with pain and they're like, yeah, listen, I just, I just need help with this. And then she starts doing exercises with them and I hear horror stories. Man, your wife made me do this weird exercise or she was doing this. Man, it was so painful. I was in 10 out of 10 pain. I was in 20 out of 10 pain when she was working on me. It was horrible. And then you talk to them like two days later. How you feel? Oh, I feel so good. <laughs> like, I don't know what she did, but I mean, it hurt while she was doing it. But I feel good right now. Goodness doesn't always feel good. God is good, not just because he causes good things to happen in our lives. But because in the midst of circumstances, he is closer to us than the circumstances could ever be. A lot of people say, if God is so good, why is life so hard? They all got it backwards. Life is hard because God is so good. The problem is, when God created the world and he said, it's good, and then we go ahead and sin and ruin it, you know what happened? Good didn't lower its standard. Goodness was still up here. And you know what the problem is? As Christians, when we're called to be like Christ, we're called to be good, to walk in his goodness. So life is hard. 
The question isn't if God is so good. The question is, why aren't we? Because that's what we do sometimes, right? Because it doesn't feel good to know that we're the ones that are the problem. That doesn't feel good at all. No one likes to know that they're the problem in the relationship. It's easier if it's the other person's fault because then you don't have to change. You want to be good? Be like Christ. You want to be like Christ? Get ready for the most heart-wrenching, so much work, getting dragged on the floor. Sometimes you think you know your past, then God grabs you, turns you around, and says, look at you. And you're like, who's that? Because that ain't me. It doesn't feel good. So uh, one of my wife's patients, since I was on that subject, she, uh, she loved the work that my wife did so much, she drew this. Uh, they're going to put it up on the screen. Perfect. So for those of you online, I know you may not be able to see this, um, but you should be able to see it on your screen. Um, she drew this uh, by hand. It's pretty, right? It's pretty cool. I think it's legit. And uh, I'm going to read the verse as it says it on here. It's Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 43, 2. God is good, right? He's got my back all the time. That's what you get. That's what most people like to talk about when they read that verse. You know what I saw after prepping for this whole sermon? I saw waters, rivers, flame. God didn't say here, I'm going to hold you up above the flames as I walk through it for you. He didn't say, when you're drowning in that river, I'm going to pick you up, hold you up above, build you a bridge, set you back on the bridge so you can walk over it. When that storm is going, I'm not going to build you shelter so you can just sit there and be happy. No. God is your shelter. God is there with you in the flame. When you're going and swimming through that river, God is there to help you keep swimming. Flames burn. Water can cause you to drown. Storms can destroy everything that you own. And God is still good. You know why? Those, those flames, they'll purify you. The storms that knock everything that you own down, if you're crying over it, God is trying to make you realize you don't need it. You never needed it. I was here for you all the time. Those rivers that cause you to drown, sometimes when life is just so overwhelming, when you're in the goodness of God, you experience a peace. That no matter how deep in the waters you are, you're okay. You look at this drawing and you see the finished product, right? It's amazing. None of you guys know the artist, right? And they say a picture is worth a thousand words, millions of words. I don't actually know how, I don't remember. How many words? A thousand words? Well, this one has a little more than a thousand, I'm sorry. 
right? You don't know the artist. And sometimes when we look at art, we, we, don't, we don't know, you know, people have tried to describe what the paintings mean and all that. And then you ask the artist, and they're like, well, I don't know. I just thought it was cool looking. And sometimes that's how it starts. You just thought it was cool looking. You know what I see? A lot of lines. I see a wrist that hurts. An index finger is just tired of putting pressure down on this paper. I see a lot of time. You know what you don't see? A wife that has a job and four kids making this for her doctor because her doctor was good to her. Man, I don't have any kids right now. And if you ask me to draw that, it'd take me three years. <laughs> And I'd probably get tired and just scan it and say, look, I did it. <laughs> I can't imagine with four kids running around, going to the grocery store, trying to make sure they're good for their appointments, going to work, and every single time you get a chance, you sit down. She didn't do this in one sitting. She took her time with it, and it probably hurt. And there's probably some times where she wanted to give up. But her physical therapist treated her so well and did so much for her because she was doing it for her despite what the doctors were saying. I'm going to get you to walk again. I'm going to get you to walk right. And inspired her to do this. She was motivated. And sometimes we forget that. You experience God's goodness, right? You experience the grace that comes with loving Jesus Christ. You understand that, yes... I was a sinner. Christ died on the cross for me. Right? You make that radical change in your life. Because you know you're undeserving of his grace. Then five years go by as a Christian and you sometimes forget. Yeah, 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 Christ died on the cross. Yeah, Christ, Christ died for your sins too. He's your rock. Does it motivate you? I mean, because there's sometimes where Christ dying on the cross is just Christ died on the cross. And I, I, I hate that that's sometimes true in my life. That Christ dying on the cross is just some dude on two planks of wood in my life. And yeah, it means something to me, but like right now, no, no, it doesn't. And then I show up on Sunday, I hear a bishop preach, and I'm like, man, Christ died on the cross and I, you know, you get all like teary-eyed and all that stuff. Is it just real on Sunday? Are you willing to go through the thick, the thin, and the dirt? Like sometimes someone up here comes up here and says that, like you got to get in the, you know, the dirtiness of someone's life and show them goodness. And a lot of people go through your head and then you go on Monday and you forget about them. But you were thinking about them on Sunday. You're thinking about, yeah, yeah I want to do all that hard work. It sounds so cool. Then you, you, you try and do it on Monday, and then on Tuesday, you're like, <laughs> well, I got to take a shower, and I don't want to get dirty again. <laughs> That's what I see when I see this, this drawing, man. Someone who was motivated. Every day, this probably went through her head. I got to finish it. I got to finish it. I got to finish it. How many of you are thinking that about Christ and those around you? 
I got to see God's good work in them. I want to do God's good work. Are you doing it just to go through the motions because Bishop gave you a challenge question on a Sunday? Are you doing it because you actually motivated by the cross? That's goodness. Christ-inspired, selfless love. That is goodness. It's not an adjective that describes how you're being with somebody. It's a state of being. A state, which means you're that all the time. And this is my last verse. In um, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Said so simply, God has shown you what is good. And what is the requirement? To love. Sounds so simple. So hard to apply. So I have two challenge questions for you guys. I know I was talking about Bishop's challenge questions. <laughs> Hopefully these are all motivated by the, by the cross. <laughs> My first one is, are you motivated by God's goodness to be good? I think that's pretty simple. Think about God's goodness in your life. Think about the goodness in the lives of others. And does that motivate you to be good? And the last one is, is your goodness dependent on your current circumstance? And when I say current circumstance, I don't necessarily mean what's going on in your life or you're having issues at work or anything like that. I mean, at that point in time, when you're required to be good, is your goodness going to be dependent on how you're feeling? So, that's pretty much everything I have on goodness. I know it doesn't sound like goodness. I guarantee you it is. Um, I, I had like so many other things I wanted to say, but um, these were the, the main things I wanted to bring to you guys. And if I can with you guys, I just, I just want to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for what you've done. And thank you so much for what you will do. Father, there is no reason for us to not be inspired by your goodness. Yet, we sometimes look away. But Father, as a church, especially in a time such as this, especially in a time such as confusion, confusion and distrust, and just there's sometimes there's no love in between one another, Father. Sometimes the church itself is segregated by their own doctrines. Remind us, Father, that we are one body. We are one accord and all under one will. And that will is to glorify you and demonstrate your goodness to those that are undeserving just like we were. Father, inspire us 
breathe a breath of inspiration into our lives. Let us demonstrate that goodness. No matter how hard it may be in our lives. Father, thank you for being good to us. And Father, help us remember your goodness, not after the flames, but before and during. Not after the storm has passed, but during the storm. Father, I thank you so much for putting your son on that cross. So undeserving. Yet because of that demonstration, Father, we can have a relationship with you based on a grace that surpasses all understanding. I pray these things all in your son's great name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that this service encouraged you and built your faith in Christ as well as called you to action. Please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe so you can stay connected and be informed of when we post new content. If there's any way we can pray for you or serve you, or if you would like more information on a relationship with Christ, email us at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. Make sure to IM us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram.